Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. All right, today we have a very special show. One of our fellow WTIS radio talk show hosts is joining me on the show today, Charles H. Boxley Jr. We're talking about his book, Misinterpretation, Prosperity on Earth. And Charles brought his bodyguard with him today, John Swanson, just to make sure that I didn't mishandle him on the radio. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for coming on the radio today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate being on today. I appreciate that. John, we're glad to have you here today. Thank you, Jim, so much. This is a great opportunity. I had no idea I would be here today, <laughs> but thanks so much. <laughs> that is either a good thing or a bad thing. Gentlemen, I'll read you the, the, the key scripture having to do with I work for him from Romans 12 two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And Charles, that's really what your book is all about. Learning not to copy the ways of this world, but to be renewed in our mind, to be renewed, made new all over again and changing the way we think. So listen, we uh, I'm glad you're here, but before we start talking about your book, which is a great book, tell us, Charles, thanks for being on the show. Tell us about your family. Well, my beautiful wife, Dominique, 
she's supporting me through my endeavors, uh, help of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we have six children all together. She had three prior to us getting together. And I had three sons um, prior. And so we put them together in a Brady Bunch type situation. Was say, do you guys sing that at night? Uh, Brady, there was this fellow. A man named Brady. Do yeah. you guys sing that at night? Uh, no. I bet we... you can make up a real hip hop version of that or something. That'd be I fun. I could. I could. I could. All right. Sorry. I interrupted. So you got six kids. You want to say hi to them? Hi, everybody. How are you? I know you can't answer, but I will find out later. <laughs> find out if they're listening or not. All right, John, you said you've only been on the radio one other time. Anybody want to say hi out there on the radio waves? Uh, yeah, I would like to say hello to all my FCC family here. Uh, that's Faith Christian Center. And my daughter and my lovely little granddaughter, uh, Hannah, who's four, uh, who's 15. <laughs> and uh, for Zachary and Jason, those are my nearest family members here. Nice. And if they're not listening, of course, they can listen to the archive later, which you can find on WTIS1110.com. Great. All right. Charles, I know you're not a new, you're not a rookie in the radio, so I just want to get, just get right down to it. Tell me how Jesus Christ first impacted your life. Well, uh, I was born and raised in a Baptist church. I had an aunt who, who was apostolic, um, and she would drag me off into these holes and to these churches way off in the woods and pray for me and, you know, kind of introduce me to the spirit realm, if you if you will. So you and, had a drug problem when you were a kid. She uh, drug you off to church? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I didn't catch it at first, but yes, <laughs> that is true, yes. So thanks to her, you know, um, I began to be exposed at an early age to you know, Christ and God and so on and so on. All right. But when did you actually start walking with the Lord? When did, when did you really start walking hand in hand with him? Uh, was there a time where you just said, yep, that's what I want to do with my life? Well, I know it's kind of weird and it goes against a lot of what other people say, but I don't have, I don't, I can't remember a time like that. I ha I went through a lot as a kid and I've always kind of known God was there and, and, and with me some kind of strange, weird way. But, um, you know, as a child, he would only expose so much of himself to me. But as I begin to get older and older, he began to re reveal himself more and more and more. So you know, there are those people who would say, well, but you should have a date. But here's what I learned recently and doing all the reading I've done for our work for him over the last year. I realize that everybody experiences God differently. Yes. We're, we're as many different personalities and people are there are in the world. Everybody experiences God a little bit differently. So I, I don't discount it. it yeah. It's it is for me. I know the date because I knew the date. I was like, I need Jesus or I'm going. I am in deep trouble. Yeah. But but not everybody's like that. And you had yeah. the opportunity to learn from from growing up. OK, yeah. so you've got this walk. John, what about you? When did you start walking with the Lord? Uh, my story is a little different. It, it's similar in the fact that I have a past Brady Bunch situation. Uh, I'm divorced, um, and I do have two children here, and those four that I raised up in the prior marriage. But uh, my actual walk started in about 1999, and um, I was out living the worldly life, and all of a sudden I was prompted by a friend of mine, um, and I went to church. He told me to go to church, and I went. And I got born again in 1999. And since then, I've had just revelation after revelation of what the will of God is for my mm. life. That's cool. That's awesome. All right, so we're here to talk about your book today, okay. Misinterpretation, Pros Prosperity on Earth. All right, so tell me why did you write the book? Well, um, I was doing heating and cooling. and. Um, 2007 and I moved to Florida. You were doing heating and cooling, crawling through people's rafters and stuff like that? Basements, crawl space, <laughs> attics, and any other thing that they wanted to throw real quick before I got there. So I did it, yes. Well, you're built like a middle linebacker, mm -hmm. like linebacker. So how did that work for you? 
Uh, well, when you have to eat, uh, when you have to pay rent, you kind of make it happen. <laughs> so that's the worst job ever in Florida. <laughs> that's the worst job ever yeah. in Florida. Okay, so you're doing heating and cooling. You moved to Florida. And so I tried to bring that down here to Florida. I'm just going to do heating and cooling. So it dawned on me that it, the market was saturated with heating and cooling. Everyone was doing heating and cooling. I think I see somebody's grandma come climbing out of the attic one, one day. Everybody was doing heating and cooling, so the industry was kind of locked down. One thing I noticed about Tampa is it, it's a place of creativity. It closes doors so that that thing that's in you can emerge and come out. And when you're comfortable in places, you can never bring out who you really are. So that's what I found out in 08, um, 09. And so God began to close those doors to my physical world so he can open up my intellectual world. I was on the wrong system as we're getting ready to get into. So I began to do intellectual things. And, um, you know, but I had the experience in 2003 to where God came to me in a dream. You know, God came to me in a dream and, you know, told me that, you know, give him a message that he may tell everyone. And then my mind began to change. And then, so after the heating and cooling door was closed, I did that for 11 years. Um, God just put it in, prompted me to write a book. And when I started taking the notes, you know, I began to just take the notes and I used to feel when he just take over and start, you know, saying things. So, and I wrote them down and here we are. We've got Charles H. Boxley Jr. in the studio today talking about his book, Misinterpretation prosperity on earth and we have his bodyguard john swanson in with us just making sure that i don't say anything wrong <laughs> all right gentlemen let's get going uh, charles you present a very interesting concept something i'd never ever read before in the scriptures and god has revealed this to you in, in this book what is it, it summarize this concept you're trying to present in the book well it's it's a corrective measure it's a it's some it's a guide something to which to judge your situation on uh when you don't have a certain standard uh, you're all over the place, you're erratic. So there has to be a system on which to judge your situation against. So if you if you have a standard, you can make the necessary corrections that needs to be made. Okay, but now this is a show about for Christian business people. So for people that are in the workplace as employees, managers, supervisors, or business owners. So you get into in this book, uh, I, I like this, you're talking about a standard, a measuring point, but how... When you summarize the concept, which you're trying to get across people, what you're trying you're trying to say the way they've been thinking, the way that they've been taught to think about business and employment is all opposite of what you think God is saying. Well, it's not opposite. It's a deviation from okay. an original. Deviation from the original. That's good. Yeah. So you lose efficiency when you when you get from the original. So um, God has a original design for wealth, and so I laid that design out in in that book. Okay. I know you want them to buy the book, but first we got to talk about it in order to get them to buy it. So we got to be more specific about okay. that. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I, I love Charles. So I'm going to give him a hard time the whole time. Okay. It's great. He, he had never heard that drug, drug you to church thing. He never heard that one before. So he didn't know he had a drug problem as a kid. Okay. Listen. Okay. So you talk in here in the book that it's not God. It's not that God's plan is not for us to help develop other people's wealth, but for us to develop our own wealth. 
Talk about that concept. How did that concept come to you? Well, in Proverbs chapter five, there's a design laid out by King Solomon. Um, it's broken into portion A and portion B. Portion A is uh, um, verse one through 14. And it lays out the system that's in place, the erraticness you know, of the markets and of the economy. And then verses 15 to 23, they discuss the design from an original. You go back to Genesis and find a design in there. And so he says uh, in the portion A, uh, which is the design of a job, is that don't get caught up in working for people because they will take the strength of your youth and all of your wealth will go into their home. Okay. And he talks about that uh, more specifically in, in verse nine. Okay. So, so don't spend all your efforts, your time, your energy building up somebody else's wealth. You're supposed to be working on your own. Yes. And you say that that's uh, addressed later on in that in the chapter five of Proverbs? Yeah. In chapter five, portion B, beginning at verse 15, which is 15 through 23, he says, get your own system, draw water out of your own well. And then he reiterates in verse 17 by saying, you know, let them be thine own only and not strangers with you. And now he's talking about the stock market and mutual funds and pooling all of these funds together because we see where that ends. How does that end? Oh boy. You got another hour? <laughs> no, we know. We, I mean, the stock market, it's got its pros and its cons, but it's uh, its a dangerous... I mean, it's its the utmost in gambling. It is. It is. Because you don't have any control. I will, I will gladly call you an owner as long as I maintain control. Right. All right. So you're saying, because I'm an owner, I own stock in the company, I'm technically an owner, but I have no input in how that business is run. Go get some insurance on your stocks. See if you can do that. You can't. There are no insurance. You, ha you don't have any control. You are at the mercy of what the CEO does or the meetings that they have in the boardroom that you're not a part of. <laughs> but those guys are all good guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, taking sure. The, yeah. Recently, I just heard the, the, the guy that runs Goodwill, that great company that supplies great things for people. He made a million dollars. No, he didn't. He did. Huh. That makes I'm never going to give do Goodwill any of my stuff ever again. Imagine that. All right. So, okay. So this thought pattern that, uh, all right, let's, let's talk about the thought pattern of those who are always looking to receive things that have been discarded after much use from somebody else. W what do you mean by that? You're saying that it, it's been used, it's been used and been used. And, and those are the people Then we're picking it up and we're still trying to suck life out of it. You mentioned that in your book. What do you mean by that? Well, you will begin to take those things from people after they've used things based on the limitations of what you can produce. Say, give, give an example. Let's make this practical. All right. So if I go to a friend's house and he has an, uh, a TV there and he just bought a new TV, but the TV that he's getting ready to get rid of is two years old. Okay. You know, and someone would say, you know, two guys go over there and they say, what are you going to do with that TV? And then he says, oh, that old thing, he's getting ready to take it out to the curb and throw it away. Because in his uh, reasoning, that's junk. It's trash. It's antiquated. But to someone else who, who are, you know, less uh, in thought and, and, and their value system is, is less, they will say, man, you're going to throw that away? I'll use that. They'll take it. They'll clean it up and everything. And it'll be right on their coffee table when they get home. Okay. So apply that to business. Give me some examples of how you can apply that to business. People that are that are taking hand-me-downs, instead of them getting the, the first use of it, they're getting the second use of it or third use of it. Can you give me an example of that? Well, that's kind of just like for a mindset. The, the, okay. um, so it's a mindset. So give me that mindset in the business world. Well, it's not really related to the business world. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a psychology type of thinking. Our thinking is what's off as individuals. Okay. And, a, and a job is a part of that uh, philosophy that, that we have. So we need to upgrade our value system, basically, is what that's getting into. 
Okay, so when you say our psychology is off, that we just have a wrong way of thinking, what do you mean? He's contemplating that's that he won't do this on his show. Given well, I, I think the context is, is kind of getting off. It's it's listen the way that we think is it depends on what we produce. Okay, you know so you know when you begin to take things after much use from someone else, then it shows the limitations of your ability to produce. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think I can understand that. Yeah, because why wouldn't you go out and buy your own TV? Why wouldn't you just leave that one there and say, oh, here, I'll take your ticket out to the trash. And if I want a TV, I'll go buy it based on my ability to produce. But, but see, if, I'm sorry. No, well, I was going to say, but I'd rather buy the, or take somebody else's perfectly good two-year-old TV and use it instead of wasting my money on a $500 TV, just like I'd rather buy that, uh, my uh, a used car, five years old, that somebody else has sucked the living daylights out of. I got six, it's got 60,000 miles on it. It's a 250,000 mile car. I'd much rather buy a car for 10 grand instead of 30 grand. Well, but that's your value system your value system is different okay everybody won't do that okay no they're, i agree they're, they're, there's, there's a lot of silly people out there paying brand new money for cars well it's, it's not that it's silly see the problem is not that you're paying for it the problem is you haven't produced a product that other people can pay for your things okay if you go in bill gates house he's paid for nothing you pay for it that's right so he's not every go, one of us has. so he's not going to go and get a used tv because he have the options of you doing it through his product <laughs> that's right okay so your value system is off. Instead of you going to produce, you're looking for someone else who had the ability to produce, and you're winging off of their ability, which hinders you and hinders the world. Okay. All right. So See, it's, the, it's that logic like that that's keeping us in broke situations. I produce. I write the book. I can't just constantly keep reading Warren Buffett's books and increasing him. And if I keep taking the things that he has, I'm going to be hindered. And you're going to be hindered if you don't get the book. So I had to leave his used things alone, look on the inside, and produce that which is new. That's a new book. And so now you're able to reap the benefits of that book. Okay. All right. On, on page 27 of your book, you talk about the Israelites when they get moved into their new country, they're being financially and physically free when they take over the land, but they weren't mentally free. See, the, the mind is where, it, where all the trouble is. It's the mind. That's why you can have someone to win the lottery, uh, inherit huge sums of, of cash, you know, and then they wind up broke again. Because, listen, your mind uh, is, is an equalizer. Your money equals your, your brain power. So, so when someone wins the lottery or something and they wind up broke, if you, if you have the ability to produce $24,000 a year annually, then your brain, you know, your, your money is always going to equal 24 grand. Mm -hmm. It's not going to equal a, a, a million. So even if you got a million dollars, if you're only thinking uh, $24,000 thoughts, then you're only going to have $24,000 in cash. But uh, Your wallet is an extension <laughs> of your thoughts. <laughs> That's an interesting one. We're going to have to take that further. All right. In the first half hour of the show, we've been talking and dissecting Charles H. Boxley Jr., talking about his book, Misinterpretation, Prosperity on Earth. And right before the bottom of the half hour, Charles started saying these really crazy things that I'm not sure I understood, so I had to ask for clarification over the break. All right. We're, he was talking about this mindset, this, that it's the psychology of where our minds are at and what we're thinking. And, and as we're having this conversation, John piped in, and he's been very quiet on the show today. That's the bodyguard, Charles's bodyguard, John Swanson. All right. John, you, you asked me a question. Go ahead and ask me that question. 
I asked you a question, a simple question, Jim. I asked you if you wanted to get a golf club. Uh, what type of club would you like to get? Or what kind would you like, you know, to? All right. So then I jumped in all the way head first into the deep end and said, well, I'd like a new driver because the driver that my dad gave me. Yes, dad, if you're listening, I could use an upgrade. All right. The driver that my dad gave me is old and it doesn't hit at 250 or 300 yards. And that's what I want. A new driver. And the part that I was attempting to bring out was just the disparity in how different people's mindsets are. And the point was that... Well, if you ask Charles that question, Charles, what would you say? Yeah, I, I want the tennis club. I want the <laughs> I want the food bar. I want the 10,000-square-foot uh, facility, uh, swimming pools, uh, two in the back. I, w- I want the whole gamut. He wants the Bayou Club, golf yes. club. That's what you want. I want a club. I'm looking for a driver, and he wants the whole golf club. Okay, go back to you, and, and that was it. I wanted to show, because we started this out with Romans uh, 12, 2, and it was something about renewing our minds according mm-hmm. to the Word of God. And to renew one's mind is simply to see something from a different standpoint. Because, I mean, to renew it means you have it, but now you, got, you need to renew it. So that example was just the difference in how someone could see the same exact scenario. In your mind, it played out as a golf club and my mind the way I heard it it played out as a club you know because that's the way it was presented to me and someone was thinking that far with that type of diversion as opposed to the other way so I think that's what we you know in the book I think this book is bringing out some things that people have to really think they're not ready to hear it yet but it's going to cause them to think and I believe that's so it's, it's almost like preparing the mind to put the finances on top of it because the mind is where it is you know okay. if, there, if there's holes in a cup there's no point putting water in it Well, unless you drink really fast. Yeah, that's true. All right. So on page 58, you you make this comment. Who knows? Maybe then he, that would be God, maybe then God will be more willing to share intimate things about himself, including what you could do to be more successful. How can you get this close to God to learn those things? Well, Jacob, when you read the scriptures, uh, Jacob, an angel came and told him about his situation with Laban. And the angel said that, behold, we've seen all that Laban have done unto you. And then what he did was he told him how to take this, you know, the sheep, you know, and put it over here and then take this one, the ring stake, the spotted and the gristled and put it over there. And what he did was he came into his physical world and told him how to restructure his financial, you know, well-being in the way that he was providing for himself. So you can have a relationship with God and have angels come, you know, and assist you even in the physical realm. Okay, and I don't, I don't question that at all. I totally agree. I believe that God sends us help all the time. But isn't your point that most of us don't ever ask on how we can be successful? No, no we ask, but we don't know how he responds. I don't know. I think a lot of people don't even realize that God cares about business. I run into a lot of people who call themselves Christ followers that don't think God has a place in the workplace. See, see, when you ask for God for increase, look at Ecclesiastes 2 and 26. To a man that is good in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. So when you're asking for a promotion, whatever you're asking for, he's going to come and give you knowledge. He's going to give you a book. He's going to show you a TV program. He's going to give you something that's going to stretch your thinking. Yeah, but when I'm not I'm not asking for more money because that's not my approach. Whatever I, it I, is, knowledge is universal. All right, okay. So, but but I find that a lot of Christian business people, uh, John and Charles, they don't they just don't see that God even applies to the workplace. Well, I got my my Christianity, yeah. you know, that's my day to day thing. But you know, I go to work and God doesn't pay a, play a a part in my workplace. And, and that's where I think a lot of issues come in because I think a lot of them don't even recognize his lordship in their life there and that he cares about those details in order to make them successful, not so that they can increase their status of living. 
but they, they can increase their status of giving. And that's the mindset that I think is, is powerful is that God wants to bless us, not so that we can all build big time mansions, but some people get to do that, but so that we can help feed other people. So we can help bring the gospel to other people so that we can help provide money for those ministries that are out there. So how does that resonate? Well, I mean, I got a mansion on my mind. If he's leaving here to go prepare one for me in heaven, then I want one down here too. I've given you the ability to obtain wealth is what he told me. It's in my Bible, you know. Well, well, it's probably in mine. Go ahead, John. Yeah. If I might shoot something in real quick. Um, One of the original things that God's plan was, I know for a fact, according to his word in John 3.16, was love. He loved the world so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Um, The world, okay, I don't know the exact population today, but I know it's in the billions. It's 7 billion something. Yeah, somewhere in that area. But he gave something to 7 billion people or whatever the number was at the time or the number he perceived that it would be. That was a gift that he gave first. So, again, if you're looking to be successful, my concept based on the scriptures is that if you set a goal to help 100 people, your budget will be a certain amount. If you set a goal in your heart to help 10,000 people, you'll have a different budget. But if you ask God to meet that budget, he'll meet it based on your desire. So I believe that as Christians begin to become aware, God is able to meet you through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which rests in us now with information to do whatever your desire is to increase and bless others. That's the foundation. I believe that when you help and give, you're going to be blessed and he'll make the provision for that. Yes, absolutely. All right, but there's danger in that, though, because not everybody can handle wealth. I mean, so, and you're not all, you guys aren't just talking about wealth, but not everybody can handle wealth. I mean, Jesus talks all, I mean, Jesus talks all throughout the scriptures, the gospels on how money is really the biggest trap for any man in, in inhibiting his relationship with God. So you, you guys are talking about a, a concept where it, it's the, you know, the desires of your heart and increase and asking God for, you know, unimaginable things beyond what we can ask and imagine. How do you, how do you reconcile that with all the dangers that come with the, the wealth and the responsibility that comes with wealth? Well, there's a qualification for that. Okay. It's, it, it's for everybody, but everybody's not going to receive it. There are people who are crying out to God. All right. Let's look at the children of, um, of Israel. They were in bondage. Um, Moses and God was out there having a conversation about the people of, of Israel. He said that their cries have come unto me for I've heard their cries. Now, these are the people of God. This is not everybody. This is just the people of God that he was referring to and bringing them out. So God have heard your cry. And so it's, 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 it's for everybody, but there are people that are already crying and they're looking for a way out. They're looking for a solution. They've already solidified the relationship with God. This book is for those people and people who are playing around. Uh, uh, they're not really saved and they're playing with God. He knows that revelation is blocked out from those hearts. Only the pure heart is going to get this revelation. I can talk to him boldly in the face, but as he mentioned, it's, it's, it's a perception thing. If I were to say to you liquid, then what would you think of? Well, it depends on the context. Yeah, well, right now exactly. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little thirsty. I'd like some water, but uh, you know, liquid could be liquidate your assets. It could be the ah. li- so you, you could be liquid so that you've got the ability to help somebody right now instead of having to cash out something in order to help somebody. I mean, see, it, it could see, be a number of things. See, the options are endless with you because you went beyond liquid, the juice. <laughs> see, but everybody don't have that option because of limited mentality. Jesus said, "There's more that I want to share with you, but I can't right now. Why? Because he didn't have the ability? No, because the limitations of their thoughts." 
So your brain is going to lock you out from the revelation unless you have a heart for God. When you got a heart for God, then you'll receive the revelation. Well, and just for the record, if my dad's listening, no, I don't want a golf club, but I could use a new driver. Okay. <laughs> all right. I just want that clarification out there. All right. So, all right. I mean, I love this. On page 60, you said, man is so intrigued with complexity that they often stumble over simplicity to get to it. Yes. I totally agree. Yes. So where'd you come up with that? The Holy Ghost talks to me like that. And I have to saturate and I have to think and think and think to get it. And it's a it's a part of elevating my brain to a higher level of intellect. You know, the reason why he talks to me like that. Well, and it is true. That's where the KISS principle came from 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what, yes, I just said stupid on the air. Sorry, honey. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it just, I mean, people do, they make things way too complex when really God's God's the gospel is a simple deal. Yes. We got a sin issue. God wants a relationship with us. He sends his son to pay for the sins. So we can have that relationship. All we got to do is put our trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And then he gives us the help to follow him by the Holy Spirit. It's a simple message, but people make it. Well, religious people really screw around with it, but yeah. it's a, it's a great concept. Uh, so, okay. Before we go to the break, I just want to say it again. Just say, what's the biggest thing on your heart and mind right now? You want to make sure the audience understands in a minute, right, in 30 seconds. Listen, we can't be all over the place and how we're earning our money and the monetary system. There is a design in place. God already had it in place when he made, or even before he made man. So there is a system in place. Our job is to get in tune with that design and to align our current situation uh, up with that original design so we can restore our finances and provisions. Mm -hmm. Now, when we were on break, uh, you guys were arguing back and forth, telling me how stupid I was. No, you weren't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you were talking about I, I'm just trying to make this concept understandable for people, and it really is about this mindset. Let me see if I can summarize it, and you guys can correct me. Most people don't, first of all, we don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Most of the time, we don't recognize the fact that the Holy Spirit that lives within us, a Christ follower, is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that helped the, the apostles to heal people, raise them from the dead. I mean, it was all kinds of incredible stuff. That Holy Spirit lives within us and has the ability to train us up in the ways that God desires us to follow him in order to be able to work for the kingdom the way he designed it. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, but a lot of times we think too small. And we think too complex. Yeah. So, so take me from there. You, uh, you know, the last thing we stopped on was uh, people so often, um, you know, go, they, they're so intrigued with complexity, they often, they often stumble over simplicity to get to it. But when we got back, you guys were talking about, well, just, just comment on what I said. Well, even for example, like if you take cattle, uh, corn, uh, vegetation, things like that, these God had already had that set in place in Genesis from the beginning. But because of greed, you know, we, we, we throw pesticides on things. We, we put hormones in this and we feed it because we want to get these things as big as possible, you know, as possible. And, 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 you know, the grass seven feet tall, you know, you know, so, but there was a simple method, a design already in place, but we have complexed it to the point to where, you know, it's affecting our health. It's, 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 a, it's affecting the livestock. And you read in the Bible a lot of times when he say, just go in and destroy everything. You see, and you wonder, everything, man, child, cattle, and everything, why? And it's because they got into beefing everything up, you know, so that for more profit when a simple uh, system was already in place. So that's just an example of, of what I mean by, you know, we, we make things more complex, you know. You say on page 164 of your book that God wants us to be successful here on earth. Why do you think that? 
And when we successful, you're actually talking about business success, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Well, it's not just business, but we need to realize that a system is already in place. You, you live in overflowing oxygen because you're designed to live on oxygen. You live in overflowing water. I mean, uh, seven eighths, uh, three quarters of the earth is water. Well, God knew you were going to need that because you need that to sustain your life. So you're in overflow already based on a system, on a design. But greed comes in when we don't realize that there's a financial system already in place. So, okay, you know, so, but you take take. I'm sorry, to interrupt you. But do you take it from being greedy and growing a business uh, and growing a business, growing a business, growing a business, and really just providing for ourselves or, or or being self-sufficient? How do you how do you balance between the greed and growing a business and, and increasing profits? Greed begins where your knowledge ends. So wherever your knowledge ends is where you're going to start finagling. Can you can you imagine Warren Buffett? You know, doing that. He has systems that are in place. So his, you know, being provoked to be greedy is, is very, very slim. Bill Gates, he's not really thinking about that. He has overflow. He has systems that are in place. And one thing about systems is whether you Christian or not, man, the world is using our father's system against us. You know, and, and, it's, and it's our father's system. He had this laid out in Genesis. God is creator of heaven. And that's where we are in the church. You know, we're so spiritual, but of earth, as the prophets used to say, heaven and earth. And so when he made the earth, he had all of these systems already in place. When you go to the hospital, they're not have their own deviation of what the body should be. They're going back to Genesis chapter one. And that's what heals you when you go to the hospital. Well, financially, there's a system in place, too. All right. So you keep talking about the system in place and, 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 and we need to let people know how do they find out about the details of the system that's in place? How do, you know, how do they find out more about you, Charles? Well, you can go to www.silver3e.com and on the About Us page, it kind of chronicalizes my story and, and you know, what led to this you know, uh, to this revelation. But you can begin by going to uh, Proverbs chapter five again, and it's verses one through 14, and that's the design system of a job. 15 through 23 is the system that we should be on. Get your own system, and, but just pray in the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name and, and, and just slowly go through those scriptures. And that's an example of what the design is. But I take it greater and greater and greater till you see God actually using this system. And it's the system that's been in place for man. Okay. All right. You know, you said in, in there right before the end of the book, he loves us when we ask him to show us how, and then we're willing to do the do. That's right. What do you mean? I know, first of all, do the do. I mean, I'm thinking Mountain Dew, but that's not how you have a spell. <laughs> um, well, and back with Jacob in the example, he told him to take the cattle and put the, with the ring staked over here, spotted, speckled, and gristled. But listen, those are the words. That's the advice. That's the correction that needs to be made. But until Jacob got up and actually, he lives on a physical earth. We can't be too spiritual that we are not willing to do the physical things that need to be done. We actually need to get up off the couch and go. I mean, Jesus called us all to go. All right, listen, audience, has your life been radically affected by Jesus Christ? Are you running a business? Does it look different than your competition run by a non-Christ follower? Are you perplexed on how to incorporate your faith so that your business does look and feel different? If these questions or today's topic find you desiring a deeper understanding of how God fits into your workplace, then check out Business His Way. It's a biblical mentoring process designed for you to learn how to follow our Lord in your workplace. Brought to you by C12 Tampa Bay, and I work for him. 
For more information, contact me, Jim at IWorkForHim.com. That's Jim at IWorkForHim.com. Next week on the I Work For Him show on February the 3rd, we'll be talking with Pastor John Ferris with Crosspoint Church on how to impact this generation of Christian business leaders. Make sure you tune in. It's going to be a lively discussion. About my advertisers, my sponsors are people I trust, people you can trust. Please do business with them. Thanks today to C3TB, the Christian Chamber of Commerce, Tampa Bay. Ross Arup with C12 Tampa Bay. Luke Andrews, mortgage and real estate broker. Dan Geyer with Direct Hits Management. Gary Malinowski and Chick-fil-A Seminole and Park Boulevard. Eric Most with Most Insurance. Jim Brangenberg with Platinum Information Services. 2B1 Ministries, Marriage Mentoring for All Couples, and the Tampa Mayor's Prayer Breakfast on May the 7th. Look for links to their company websites listed on our website, iWorkForHim.com. On the I Work For Him website, you'll also find all kinds of great resources, including the show schedule, the guest schedule, and all kinds of recommended resources for incorporating Christ into your workplace. Thank you to my guest today, Charles H. Boxley Jr. Yes. Yeah. And John Swanson, bodyguard. It was a pleasure having you both on the show today. Thank you, Mr. Brangenberg. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, Mr. Brangenberg, that's my father. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Please take time to like us on Facebook. Just search for I Work For Him. And make sure you check out Charles H. Boxley Jr.'s website, silver3e.com. That's silver3e.com. And that's where you can get a copy of the book. You can also get it at Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Thank you very much to Chris Dunn for running the controls and keeping me on time today. And if you found today's show inspiring or challenging, could you let me know? Just give me an email. Send me an email to jim at iworkforhim.com. All right, you've been listening to a lively rendition of the I Work For Him show with Charles H. Boxley Jr. in studio today, along with his bodyguard, John Swanson. We've been talking about this book, Misinterpretation, Prosperity on Earth, and just about the fact that our mindset is not where it needs to be, that we need to be thinking the things of God, and the things of God re result in success, in business, in blessing, and in blessing other people through that success. So I challenge you to get a copy of the book and watch some of the videos it will be a great challenge for you. You've been listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I am a Christ follower. I own my own business. I don't know about you, Tampa Bay, but I work for him. At least I'll be feeling something. Cause just in case now.